I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Uncover Your Magic. I am so excited for today's guest. I know I always say that, but he has been on the show before. His name is Stephen Shaw. If you haven't listened to our first episode, go back to episode 111 and listen to that one first. So you can kind of get the background and his bio is more on there than you would on this show. We're going to go straight into it. Today, we are going to go deeper into his intimacy. He's an intimacy expert, and we're going to go into intimate relationships. Stephen has experienced many relationships in his life, like most of us have. He was divorced three times and now has married the woman of his wildest dreams. Even when he talks about her, you can just see it in his energy. He is so in love. That's the kind of love we all can have, and he is the one to show us the way. He's created a course we will talk about called the Intimacy Blueprint. For any of you out there just skating by, living in a mediocre relationship or marriage, you must listen today to Stephen. He really knows how to deepen the love and intimacy in any relationship. I know you're all going to get so much from this episode. Remember to message me or screenshot this episode and tag me on Instagram. I love hearing from you. It really means the world to me. Putting these episodes out each week is something so precious to me, and the guests I choose to share with you all have deep meaning in my life, which is why I feel so deeply about this podcast and using it as a tool to spread this knowledge so we can all get on this magic carpet ride we call life. Just think, if we could all say we have the most beautiful, loving, and intimate relationships, wouldn't that create an even more powerful universe filled with so much love and raise the vibration of our planet? So if you can't tell me your relationship isn't the most fulfilling, satisfying, and intimate, then today's episode is for you. Or if you think it's all that, I'm sure it can go to an even deeper level, and Stephen is the expert to get us all there. I know with Richard and I, we are always trying to find something to create a deeper connection, like I'm sure most of you are. Being in relationships for 10, 20, 30 plus years takes a commitment and continually learning new ways to express love and keep the fire lit even more as the years go by. Some of my clients that I work with are struggling in their marriages or relationships, but after we spend a few weeks together, I see a shift and to know the grass is never greener. All you need to look is in the mirror and make what you are looking at realize how loved you are and that you will always bring that person into the next relationship unless you do the work. 
And today, I know Stephen will give you some incredible takeaways that you can use in your current relationships and or share it with anybody, your loved ones, share it with your friends. Get ready for a fun conversation. Please let me know if you see a shift in your relationship after you you use some of Stephen's tools. Also, remember to sign up for the waiting list. It's in the show notes, or you can go to my website or just email me for both of my courses, Raising Confidence for Teenagers and the Magic Path for Parents and Adults. Both of my courses are eight weeks. One, they're one-on-one and they begin on September 12th. I look forward to hearing from you. Please always reach out if you have any questions. I would love to answer them. Thanks again and enjoy this episode. So without further ado, please welcome this beautiful soul, Stephen Shaw, back to the show. Welcome. Hey, it's nice to see you again. It's so nice to see you. Like we said, it was like yesterday we were staring at each other on Zoom. Yeah. And when we planned part two, July 5th is today in real life. It seemed forever to come. And here we are. Yeah. The day after Independence Day, right? Yep. Yeah. The day after the 4th of July. 4th of July. Yeah. There's a big, big party on the beach. So I'm like recovering from that. Oh, fun. I feel good. (laughs) Good. Well, I, you know, I had so much feedback from... After your episode went out, 111. So if anyone hasn't listened to that, I would listen to that first before today's episode, because we're not going to go deep into his background. I'd like to kind of move forward because there's so much to explore and learn from him. You know, when I think of even what their takeaways were, I was like, oh, it was just so fascinating. It's so fun when you meet somebody and then it it's like, all these people are like, oh my gosh, Stephen, oh my gosh, Ashley, where can I, can we go up to LA? Can we have our sessions? How do we meet him? So it was just so fun because I know you're, you know, new from doing your, your long journey of 10 years or so of this, your, you know, what do you call it? Seeking the answers in life. (laughs) (laughs) Seeking the answers in life. And now you're here to share your, what you learned. You know, just, a uh, quick thing, if anybody wants to contact me, they can just go to Facebook. There's a message button and I always respond to messages. So okay. you know, I'm available. Yeah, yeah, you always do. I love that. You're, anyway. Okay. So today in the intro, because I feel like your new thing on your website since we met is your intimacy blueprint. And I know how the relationships we all, you know, we're in our fifties and we've all had our share of relationships and marriages, divorces, but trying to figure out that little blueprint that you have created that you can find, you can help people create these beautiful, intimate relationships. Yeah. But what I want before that, I want you to explain, because we never got to go where you met your, your wife now. That's magical story in the story, how you found, met her. Well, I was talking about this yesterday on the beach with some friends of mine and it's interesting because many of your relationships you have, especially as you get up to, say, in your 50s, you look back and you can see that relationships that maybe were painful and some were good, but each one is like a stepping stone is teaching you things. And when you have a relationship, sometimes we carry anger or regret or not forgiving people because of things we've been through. But if you can look back, you can see that each person was teaching you something about you know, where you need to make a change, for example, in your own emotional state or your self-love, or they were even teaching you about what you don't want. 
And sometimes one of the lessons from a previous relationship, whether it's you know, a few months or a few years, is you start to understand that this is not what I need in life. And you start to really hone down what's going to be good for your personality and your emotions and your soul and your spirit. So I met my wife now maybe three years ago, I guess. And it was one of those magical things because she had had a profound spiritual experience delving into the source and immersing in profound self-love. And that changed so much of her background and her history and her childhood and everything she'd been through. So she'd already had that experience three or four years ago. And I'd had a very similar experience also a few years prior to that. It's, I call it the I Am experience, which I wrote about in my first book, which is called I Am. And it really is when you merge into the source and there's certain ways that can happen. But when that happens, it profoundly changes you. And you're going to keep on working on stuff inside of you, but it gives you a massive boost to jump up in life. So I come to the point when I've been through plenty of difficult relationships and but I'm grateful for them. Each one was teaching me. Each one was, you know, I was learning something from where I could shift and change and, and what I really want in life and what I don't. So it's a funny story because I have a really good friend in Venice and I was with my friend and it was just one of those funny things where that day there was a really big argument between us, which is, it was really strange. Hmm. It, it, when I look back, I thought I can see why it happened now. And if, if I hadn't had that argument and then said to myself, I'm just not dealing with this today. You know, I don't know what's going on. Why is all this stuff coming up setting this drama from her side? And I then walked away and said, I'm going to go get myself a, a bar of chocolate. That's my go-to, dark chocolate. I've been like, <laughs> I've been a bit stressed or a bit sad or whatever it is. I'll go get some dark chocolate. I just walked down to this uh, health food store called Erwin, a well-known uh, store in, in Los Angeles. That's all high-end foods, organic, this, whatever. It's a really beautiful store. And I, was, I walked into the store and I walked uh, into the, uh, the kombucha rack. I was drinking a lot of kombucha then. I got down quite low because it was the bottom shelf and I was looking at the kombucha I wanted, right? And the one I chose, which is interesting too, was called Mystic Mango, right? Mm. I'm looking at the kombucha and I start to feel the energy field change. Like, oh, oh, I get emotional. Like, wow. Like, oh. I do. Like, my heart's like, wow. You know, it's like terrible because it was a beautiful thing. I didn't see her, right? I just felt her energy coming. I could feel this uh, golden white glowing energy. I was like, wow, like, who is this? Huh. And then, then she moved in next to me. And she was looking for a kombucha as well. So I'm surprised I'm so emotional. <laughs> I know. But, you're um, making me too. Because it's a beautiful thing, you know. Like, I mean, wow. I mean, I'm. We're both in our 50s, and it's profound to have this experience of late in life in a way, because a lot of us in our 50s, we get jaded or bitter or tired or disappointed or feel like we never get what we want in life, especially in relationships. But anyway, so because I'm super clairvoyant, and I have been my whole life, but it's, it's obviously from a 10-year journey into Tibet and Peru, it became radically enhanced. So basically, I'm looking at the kombucha, holding Mystic Mango, and I feel this profound energy field next to me. And I just sat there for a while just feeling this, like feeding into her. It was beautiful, beautiful energy field. So full of love and light. It was amazing. Then I look over and she's holding a kombucha called Guava Goddess. Now, and that's mm -hmm. important because I sort of looked at her and said, look, I know you don't know me, but I would love to just get to know you. I mean, would you mind just walking down to the beach because it's right nearby? And um, she should have looked at me like, it's, it has a bit strange, you know, and uh, she was a bit cautious. But then after a while, she said, okay, let's do it. So we, we took our kombucha and some fruit and whatever. We just walked down to the beach, and we spent probably four or five hours sitting on the beach just talking in the middle of the day. 
And like, it was incredible. You know, what your spirit feels for someone, which is very important, intuition, clairvoyance, whatever, everyone's got intuition. But that's one of the lessons that I learned is not to look at someone physically because a lot of things we do in our 20s and 30s is chasing sexy, handsome, six-pack, wide shoulders, great curves. And I understand that because it's part of us, it's desired by nature to mate. Nature's brilliant like that. It pushes you to mate, right? It's, I mean, certain unconscious things happening and pheromones and sexual chemistry happening. And that's useful to procreate, but it's not always useful for what you really need on the inside, right? Which is deep, profound love and connection. Anyway, so that's the short story. And later on, of course, which is quite interesting, she started calling me mystic and I started calling her goddess, which is kind of interesting how we have this kombucha. Huh. So there, there's a whole lot of interesting threads running around and she's definitely a goddess. She's absolutely an incredible woman. I don't want to talk about it too much on the podcast. not going to serve too many people, but the message for me is when you get to a point in life and you start to become more attuned to things that really count, things that are going to really fulfill you, you'll start to attract into your life the right people, whether it's business or a romantic partner. And the problem is many of us are skewed by things like social media, magazines, all these different things that tell us what we should be looking for in a person instead of thinking about what's truly mattering, mattering in life, what really is important. I always say to people, if you want to live your life effectively, then look back on your life as if you are dying right now. You've got a few days to live. And ask yourself, what made your life worthwhile? You know, you might only find 10 things in your life. Some people might not find, you know, just one or two things. But you look back and find, what really made my life worthwhile? What were the things that made me feel fulfilled? What were the joyful highlights in my life? You know, the profound memories. And once you start to isolate those, you start to realize what really is important, what makes your life matter, and then how to move forward. So that's an important lesson. And my wife and I have a profound spiritual, emotional relationship. And I want to be clear about something as well, because I'm a tantric master because I learned Tantra for about seven years. And we have a really good sex life. So if anybody's thinking, oh, you know, it's all about spirit and emotion, of course it's not. Sex is important, and there's a whole lot of things there that are important to think about. But in terms of priority, it's first looking for the right spirit and the right heart, and then everything else can sort of flow. And also, generally speaking, your sex life will be incredible if you have a radical spiritual emotional connection. And people don't get that. There's so much of this swipe left and swipe right these days and hooking up with people. And there's a few things we can talk about there. We mentioned, I remember last time, about the base chakra. Right. Very important. And uh, we can touch on that again. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with looking at somebody, you know, that's attractive uh, or you're sexually attracted to. But if you are deeply spiritually connected and emotionally connected, it changes how things are in the bedroom too. So you have right. profound sexual experiences because you're open and emotional and connected. And that's, uh, that can lead us into tantra, which is a whole different subject matter. When you say that before you, when you're at the kombucha at the store and you had done this, the self-love work and so had she, explain that. Like, cause I, I feel like when you look at it from a higher perspective and you see your life and now all of a sudden she's coming into your energy, you're attracting her because of the way your self-love where you found in your journey and what she has and you've like, it's like a magnet. That's true. I, I think there's a few things to think about. The one side is, I mean, for, for me, the whole of life is about spirit and love. You know, it's great. 
having you know good food and nutrition and going to the gym and doing exercise or yoga or whatever else. Those things are important because you have a body and you have to look after it. But spirit and emotion is everything, spirit and love. So when I wrote the Intimacy Blueprint, which is a webinar I've run live for many years, but now I've put it online so people can access it at any time they want. It's all pre-recorded. One aspect in terms of love is, is learning how to love yourself more. And the very first module in the Intimacy Blueprint is all these exercises showing you how to have deeper and deeper self-love. That's the one aspect. The other side is the spiritual aspect. And that's also important because you must work on self-love. It's crucial for every part of your life and especially going to any kind of intimate relationship. But also there's a soul aspect too. And you have to understand your soul's made decisions before you even incarnated on this earth. It said, I want to learn certain things. I want to meet certain people. And when you look back on your life, you can see that some people you met even though it was very uncomfortable and maybe you had a, one of those tumultuous kind of relationships, it's like, oh my God, it's crazy times, right? But it, somebody you may have said, I want them back in my life because of something we did in a previous life. I need to sort of solve some things and work things out. So sometimes as a soul, and I know it's hard to see as a normal human being, hopefully through meditation or intuition, you can feel these things out. I believe everyone has a strong sense feeling in their heart and their third eye. It's understanding as well, like what was the script you decided on. Now, I know because of my abilities that Cheyenne, who's the most incredible woman and my soulmate, my true love, I also know that we were meant to meet later in life, that we both had to go through different lessons, you know, get some karmic stuff sorted out, go back to a couple of relationships from previous lifetimes that weren't resolved properly, and then all that stuff's done, and now we could meet in our 50s. That's a soul contract. So, you know, there's various aspects here. Part of it is recognizing what the soul was doing for all these years and what it wanted to learn. And the other side is definitely working on self-love. So it culminates perfectly, but also the, the souls are orchestrating things. And you're surrounded all the time by these beautiful guardian spirits of love and light. All of us are. They're always trying to whisper in our ears and steer us in the right direction. And they're also coordinating your life in terms of who, who's coming across your path, who you're meeting. So there's, there's so many... I want to say there's just one straight answer, but of course it's not. There's sort of multiple aspects of this. Right. But if I had to summarize it simply, if we focus on spirit, including intuition, and we focus on love, deep, profound love as best we can, we will attract more and more what we want in our life in terms of beautiful intimacy and happiness and joy and fulfillment. Yeah. Right. When you talk about soul contracts, because I've, uh-huh. I've studied that for many, sure. many years, and I understand, like when you look at her, Cheyenne, uh-huh. so in past lives, I'm sure you've done past life regressions where you've, yeah, you've yeah. seen her, Yeah, you had to heal things in the past with her before you could meet her. Well, the, the, the past life relationships have often been from two or three relationships I've had prior to Cheyenne, you know, okay. like, like say for example, there's somebody who had a previous life with, and you were both soldiers or you were both were samurais or something. You meet that person again, and you haven't resolved this, this, this conflict and this aggression. And sometimes you get into a relationship that seems so full of conflict and aggression. You're like, what is going on in this place? And then you realize that it's almost like two enemies have to come together and learn to love each other. But because you can't remember it, it's forcing you to be in a relationship that is loving and, and there's chemistry and so forth. It's a, it's, it's a very clever kind of trick. So then you're forced to love your enemy in a way and overcome some karmic stuff. But in terms of Cheyenne, we did our past lives together for sure. and they, it wasn't so much things that we did wrong. It was more a case of things we wanted to complete. So 
it was different to having other comic relationships. When we came together, there was a few things to do, actually. We weren't, neither of us are perfect. We have a lot of self-love. But when we came together, and this is important, I think, I, I was discussing this yesterday with some friends. You want to go in with as much self-love as you can. And it's important not to think of self-love as naught to 100. People say, I'm either, I've no self-love, I'm broken, I'm unworthy, I'm unlovable. Or they say, I'm super confident and I love myself. But it's not, you know, black and white. Right. Self-love is more a case of like filling up the gas tank in your car. You know, it may be full 10% or 30% or 40%. And your job is to try and continually fill up the gas tank so you have more and more self-love every week, every month. Don't ever arrive. I don't think anybody, anybody, even if they had an incredible childhood, which is probably pretty rare, very few people can honestly say, I'm perfect. I have total self-love. I'm here. And I think if we do the comparison thing, it makes it really difficult. We think, oh, that person seems so confident and I am not at all. But we should rather think, okay, if I do these various exercises, like in the intimacy blueprint, I put dozens of exercises. In fact, the first module is very, very long module because self-love is so important. And it's the foundation for everything else. So we do that first. And all these exercises will help you gradually increase your self-love week by week and month by month and year by year. Can you give us one or two of those? Well, (laughs) there's, there's one I really like. I call it compassionate curiosity. And the way it works is this. And it's all in the, in the blueprint too, but the way it works is this. And you can do it now or just listen to me, whatever you like. But if you were a client or somebody attending the seminar or now the webinar, I tell people to imagine a soft, fluffy kitten or a tiny, soft, fluffy puppy, right? And then you imagine that you're holding this kitten or this puppy in your hands. I want to do this with people that actually close their eyes and they imagine it, right? Okay. And then I say to them, Look at this puppy, see how soft it is and how cute it is. Look how you feel. Look what's activating in your heart chakra right now. And look at this tiny, cute face. And you start to feel all these beautiful feelings about it. It's like nurturing and compassion. It's beautiful. And then I say, if you put the kitten or the puppy down on the ground and you watch it playing, you have a fascinating curiosity. They're so cute and so lovable, right? So when you do this exercise, and we take more time to do this, and really get into the feeling of holding this kitten or puppy and watching it play, it activates in you something called compassionate curiosity, which is in all of us, but sometimes it's very deep and it's, it's lost. And the more you practice this kind of exercise, maybe with a real animal or just pretending, you activate these things. And then what you do is you go and sit in front of a mirror, right? Or stand in front of a mirror, and you use the same feeling you just had from the exercise. And you look at yourself with compassion and curiosity. You look at yourself as if you're an amazing, beautiful person that you've never even seen before. It's just fascinating. You look at yourself with deep compassion, the same way as you look at a puppy or kitten. And you start to put those feelings which are naturally inside of all of us, but now we revoke them and you put them onto yourself. And when you do these kind of exercises, you start to love yourself more and more. And again, it's not an ultimate destination. It's a process. And every time we do these kind of exercises, we start to feel more and more love. And compassion and curiosity is one of the most powerful ways to kill shame, right? To kill things that make me feel like I'm unlovable, I'm unworthy, I'm broken. When you look at yourself with compassion and curiosity, you can't judge because you're looking at yourself with a beautiful state of love. And if you practice this often, and I say to people, you can't do it once. You need to do it on a regular basis, you know, like if we go to the gym on a regular basis or do right. yoga. I mean, some people do it two or three times a week to do exercise. 
it doesn't have to cost you hours and hours. It's just little, you know, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. So that's one example of how to evoke this beautiful feeling. The whole idea is that you start to look at yourself with deep love and compassion, which is what a few of us do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's another exercise as well, which I call the internal critical voice. And so many people have this. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Now, what I do is I say to people, get out a diary or a journal and start to listen to the critical voice. Just stop and listen to it and start to write down what it's saying. And then stop and ask yourself, who is that voice? Because I promise you, it's not your voice. It's totally unnatural to have a critical voice in your head. If you think of a child who's maybe four or five, just staring at themselves in front of a mirror, they just look at themselves and laugh. Right. If you let them go, they'll dress with, they'll put on whatever they want to wear. They don't care. They're just natural and beautiful and flowing and loving, right? That critical voice is not natural to a little child. Right. Right. But we appropriateness because of trauma, abuse, difficult childhoods, culture, society, religion. And the little critical voice builds up and builds up. It's not your voice. And when we do the exercise in the, in the webinar, people are writing down and starting to understand whose voice is this. Because hmm. it's not yours. It's not your voice. But you've appropriated it so strongly that even though originally it was maybe your mother's voice or somebody at school or whatever, eventually the little voice, you think it's yours and it belongs to you. And then you walk around doing things that appear to be mistakes or failures and you just like, crap all over yourself. Like this internal critical voice is drilling you the whole time. So this is part of the exercise we do because the critical voice, it needs to be expunged really. It must be expunged. Yes. And again, it's a process. You know? right. But once we identify whose voice it is and where it comes from and we practice different exercises, we can get rid of the voice and go back to the pure state. You're just you and you are okay just as you are. You know? How do you get rid of that voice? <laughs> well, that's part of the exercise we do in the webinar. The biggest thing is identifying whose voice it is. Because Knowing the we, difference. Knowing totally, the difference. The thing is, we think it's our voice. And we've had right. it, some, some of us had it since we were teenagers. We've had it for 20, 30, 40 years. It's so inculcated in our minds that we think it's our own voice, but it's not. You would never naturally criticize yourself. So this, this all linking back to the same thing of love. If you're brought up in an amazing family with non-judgment and spirit and emotion and kindness and compassion, which obviously is pretty rare because parents are humans too. Right. But if you grew up in a situation, you'd naturally be a loving, compassionate person with deep self-love for yourself, right? But you know, you add on this, people go to school and they get tormented for various reasons. Maybe they're not athletic enough, not musical enough, or not academic enough or whatever it is. Anything whatever. not enough. So, exactly. Right? It's the constant thing is saying, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. Right. And I have two girls, you know, my 13 and 16 year olds. I mean, I just watch it all the time, you know, and I just, it's so as a parent, like you say, when you talk about childhood, you know, like being a intentional parent, as I claim to be, (laughs) you know, that's the last, like, I'm so intentional with you're so you're more than you could be. You're more than enough constantly, Mm -hmm. but I still see those little patterns of, you know, these limiting beliefs that are, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not as good as her. I'm not smart enough. And it, all these little things that I'm like, no, you are, yeah, yeah. or celebrate what you are, you know, exactly. try to redirect it. Exactly. The biggest thing is, is the history we have, which leads us in a certain direction. Then it gets jumped on by other things like peers, social pressure and so forth. And I think 
without being sexist, there's more pressure on women in society. Yes, I there is. I mean, I want to say we're all equal, but we're not. Magazines, uh, school, there's so much pressure on looks and behavior for women, much more than men, which is really unfair. That's part of what you have to go through. You know, I don't have kids, but my nieces are the same age as your, your, your children. Exactly mm-hmm. the same. So I, I've seen what, what they're going through as well. It's really difficult. And you can hear the stories and what the kids go through in school, especially women, it's young girls. It's really difficult. Yeah. The crux, though, is what you're saying. It really is this whole thing of I'm not enough. And I'm not enough is always coming to, from one thing. is from comparing, contrasting. Sometimes mm-hmm. people are forcing standards on us and judgments on us through social media or through direct interaction. And sometimes it's, we do that. We look out and think, oh, that person's so beautiful, so pretty, so clever. You know, they've written these books or they've done this or they've done that. There's always something out there. Right. And part of the practice of self-love is just saying, I'm enough as I am. And as you said, I love what you said, celebrating who you are. And I know it's difficult when you go through stuff in school, especially if you're a young girl. It's really difficult. But it's, it's part of self-love is discovering who you truly are. We pretty much know who you are from a young age. We like to think we discover more as we go along. But actually, a lot of us are set in stone mm-hmm. really early on. If you do a psychometric test on a child who's maybe 10, 11, or 15, that pretty much tells you exactly who the person is and who they'll be for life. Huh. Because, yeah, because, for example, there's eight. What's the test uh, called? Psychometric. Psychometric. Psycho- yeah, psychologists can do that. There's, a, there's dozens of psychometric tests, and there's certain ones that are more powerful than the other ones. Psychometric test tells you your talents, your style of thinking, your style of learning, your personality type, like if you're more introverted or extroverted. Huh. And once you understand, like, oh, this is me, then you can stop worrying about other people. Because let's take me, for example. My, actually, my wife is exactly the same. Introversion is a psychological term that people think, in terms of lay people, they think it means being shy, but it's mm-hmm. not. Introversion simply means that you recharge your energy your emotional, psychological energy by being alone. That's how you recharge your energy. So an introvert needs regular time alone, like reading a book or just meditating or just sitting on the couch to recharge their emotions and their psychological energy. An extrovert recharges their energy by being with other people. Mm. They're very different kind of people. Mm-hmm. No one's a pure extrovert or introvert. It's on a spectrum or a scale, right? A sliding scale. So my wife and I, which is actually important to be well-matched in this, we are a little bit more introverted than extroverted, right? So that means we love having time by ourselves, being together and not socializing all the time. But when we get out, we have a great time because we're not right. totally introverts. So yesterday we were having a great time for hours with different friends and whatever. And then that'll do us now for you know, a good week or two right. because we're more introverted. Now, there's a few messages in that. First thing is that you understand who you are. And if you do a psychometric test, you'll discover that you are introverted or extroverted and they'll tell you that when you're 15, you don't have to wait till 30 or 40. You kind of need to know these things early. And when you understand who you are and how you're profiled, your mind, body, soul, everything like that, you can start to do this. I own every aspect of me. I own it, right? Mm-hmm. That's a powerful word. Ownership is not just saying I'm accepting it. Because accepting is the first step, I think. It's like, okay, I accept this about me. I accept this personality trait. I accept my body. But if you own it, that's different. So I'm, I'm owning who I am now, right? right. So, so my body, okay, I mean superb health and fitness and whatever else, but my body is 55 now. And I have to practice acceptance that as a, as a 55-year-old guy, you better have a, 
a good nose trimmer and an ear trimmer because you've got hairs growing on strange places when you get in the 50s, right? right? That may be a small example, but you've got to accept that, right? But, because, you know, yes. You know, but as a woman at yeah. 53, same, I mean, basically the same age, <laughs> I was reading this excerpt of a book the other day saying, uh, as important as your childhood and your adolescence are, sure. so is growing old and to embrace it and accept it. Totally. And so many people, I mean, I included, (laughs) is so hard on myself. I can't look in the mirror and just go, oh my gosh, I love you. But I understand that. But it's something that I work on. But knowing that it is growing older, it's just like switching that little, flipping that switch in your mind going, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I'm 53. Like I'm not the 20 year old that was wearing the bikini. Exactly. (laughs) Absolutely. Look, Shine and I discuss this a lot. I mean, I, I live on the beach. You can't see what I'm looking at now, but wide lounge windows are looking straight onto the beach. And out here, especially yesterday in July 4, there's tons of 20, 30-year-olds in thongs and guys with muscles and playing volleyball. And part of our discussion, and understand, like, we are very spiritually involved, deep into self-love and intimacy, but we also accept the fact we're growing older too. You know, mm-hmm. and we have to look out the window and realize we don't have that vitality anymore. We're both like really healthy. We exercise right. really big on nutrition. But if anybody's out there who's in their 50s or even 40s, you have to accept that no matter how much exercise you do, no matter your nutrition, your body is going to wear and tear. It's just a fact. You can't stop getting some new wrinkles, things changing, some body, your joints, whatever's happening. Things are going to age. That's just the way it is. Now, that's an important lesson because you and I may be sitting and think, okay, we're getting old and we have to accept different parts of what's happening to us. Maybe we don't look as, you know, vivacious anymore, for example. But you also have to understand that a lot of people in their 20s and 30s are battling with exactly the same thing. They don't realize how much vitality they have, how, right. how much youth they have, how much vibrancy. If they knew, they would be celebrating all the time. Like, wow, my 20s are amazing. My 30s are amazing. My vitality is amazing. Right. But the truth is, tons of people, especially women, in their 20s are struggling with the same issues, not mm-hmm. age, but they're looking at themselves thinking, my body's not as beautiful as, I don't know, like a Kardashian or something, you know, I don't, because there's so much stuff being pushed on us the whole time of how we should look, how we should act, how we should be. So this theme runs through our whole lives. We struggle in our 20s with different issues. In our 30s, maybe it's our career, and we're comparing somebody else's career. And then our 50s, we're looking at other people who are younger now. It's a, it's a constant thing. So this thing of ownership is crucial. And it's something you have to practice your whole life because mm-hmm. you will be changing. And right. God forbid we have an accident. But, you know, if you can't deal with aging, what happens if you get hit by a car? You know, like people who lose a limb or come back from a war zone, they have to deal with a whole range of other kind of acceptances and ownership. Let's quickly backpedal on something. If you do a psychometric test, you'll learn some profound things. For example, there's eight types of intelligence. So what most of us do, we say, Academic intelligence is what it's about. So I look at somebody else who's got more degrees than me or has written more books than me or something else, you know? Or in school, we look at somebody who seems to be, you know, a brain box and we feel like, mm. you know, I had a friend in school, every single exam he got 100%. Mm-hmm. Every single exam through the whole of high school. I was like, what? how does this guy do this? Right. So, but if I compare it to him, I, don't, I feel less than. Right. So when you do a psychometric test, you might find out that, you know, you have anywhere from one to three of these different types of intelligences. For example, there's a thing called musical intelligence. Some people are born with this, able to pick up an instrument and play. They can hear tones. They might become a DJ. 
you know, they, they can read music. There's a whole intelligence in them which I honestly do not have. I, I love listening to music, but I cannot play it. I, can, I cannot sing along very well, which is something that's a bit of a joke in a relationship here. So it's like, <laughs> don't sing. <laughs> so um, yeah, but I don't have musical intelligence, right? And then there's another thing called um, mathematical intelligence. Some people are really good at maths and logic and all that kind of thing. And they might go into career like engineering, whatever. Some of us are not so much. I mean, I can do maths and use the calculator. No, not me. Exactly. <laughs> so, should be the thing is like, so I don't want to compare myself to somebody who's got athletic intelligence. You know, so if you look at someone like Dwayne Johnson, Rock, he's got athletic intelligence. Look at his genes. His father was a wrestler. If you look at where people come from, if he had done a psychometric test, you'd say he's athletically intelligent. That's his dominance because of genetics and brain wiring. So if I compare myself now to Dwayne Johnson, I mean, I'm going to feel really bad right. because his body is, okay, depending on what you like, but his body is insane, right? And so are many other athletes and basketball players. So I want to understand that there's athletic intelligence, musical intelligence, mathematical intelligence. There's a spiritual intelligence. People are more intuitive and helping people. There's a social intelligence. There's eight types of intelligence, which I wrote about in my book called Heart Song to help oh, people okay. understand, you know, so people can understand like, how they profile, what they're about. When you understand like which intelligence you are, you can stop comparing yourself to other people. Right. Because maybe you and I are very spiritually and socially intelligent. So let's like celebrate that and own that. And say, this yes. is awesome. That's who I am. I don't have to compare myself to these super athletes, these, you know, MMA fighters and action movie stars, which is a lot of, a lot of young guys do, right? Right. And I don't want to compare myself to someone who's a musical genius. I mean, I love watching musicians. Fantastic. I'll just appreciate them from afar, knowing I can never do that. Mm-hmm. That's okay. So again, like your, your type of intelligence, your level of introversion, extroversion, your body type, all these kind of things. When you understand who you are, body, mind, and soul, you can practice accepting and owning that from a young age, in your right. 20s, in your 30s, your whole life. Oh, that That's, would be a dream to me oh yeah. for the, my girls, you know, to okay. know that they are who they are. They are perfect. Mm-hmm. And I always say, like, for example, grades, one struggles more than the other on math. And, you know, I can't get down on you because I wasn't good at math. (laughs) So you can't compare yourself to that 100% person. Exactly. And that's the, it's okay. Or it might take you a little bit more tutoring or just a little bit harder to get to that than that girl that gets 100 every day. Exactly. That's the thing about really discovering who you are you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, your talents, your gifts, your intelligence, discovering that and then owning that. Yes. Being who you are. And from a young age, I think we do evolve in life in terms of, say, intimacy skills and life skills. That's, that's a natural evolution. But in terms of who you are, it's pretty much set really early in life. Whether it's because, you know, the first three to five years of your life is set because of emotional things from your childhood. Mm-hmm. No, the first three to five years of your life mold you incredibly in terms right. of your emotions. But there's other things that will manifest in your teens because your teens, you know, you're going to hold a restructuring of your brain and puberty and so forth. And puberty often only ends in your early 20s. People don't know that. People think, oh, puberty is 18, 19. But actually, your brain only stops forming all these radical changes somewhere around 23, 24, maybe 25, which is why I always say to people, don't make any massive life decisions like getting married before you're 25 because you're still going through a lot of changes. I always say that. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I think... I mean, I wrote the book Heart Song on Purpose, which helps you discover all of who you are, these different aspects. But the shortcut, instead of buying a book that costs, I don't know, $7, is you can go and do a psychometric test with a psychologist. 
That'll cost you a little bit more than seven dollars, but it gives you a thorough assessment of who you are. And I think mm-hmm. any person, any child who's in their fifteen onwards, if right. they do that, it'll give them a huge boost. In oh, life. I love that. I'm going to do and that you, for sure. Exactly, and then you can start teaching them to fully own who they are and stop worrying about other people. I know it's hard, especially in the teenage these years. days. Yeah, well, the especially social media. Yeah, well, it's, you know, social media is something we didn't grow up with, and that's quite brutal these days, from what right. I understand. Yeah. yeah, I can't. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a whole different ball game, and yeah. how we were we were raised. But you know, when you you talk about we come into this world with all whatever we our baggage. You know how you talk about the hot air balloon and the sandbags, yeah. and how you have to drop that to have a it's, this relationship that's yeah, going to yeah, be floating yeah. in the yeah. the hot air balloon. Because yeah. you know, I have clients that have these sandbags that they just won't let go of. And that's why I, I get so passionate about helping kids because I want those sandbags to be cut so quickly <laughs> or I don't even want to have this. I know the sandbags are inevitable. We, that's why we're, you know, we came with the sandbags. That's why we are human. But how do you, I mean, as the intimacy, I think of you as the intimacy sure. expert. Well, I actually do that exact thing about these sandbags and the hot air balloon. There's a lot of exercises in the webinar for that. That's probably a huge thing. I mean, I've tried to extract the best of all my life experiences, including the tantric experiences and uh, traveling around the world. But I try to focus the whole thing in terms of intimacy. And before I answer your question, the reason I've created the Intimacy Blueprint is because I started to understand that although all of us want to do what we love in life, earn money doing something we're passionate about, that gives us a certain level of fulfillment. Mm -hmm. My life experience showed me that, for me, example, writing 12 books that are bestsellers and traveling the world and living this incredible life, right? So fulfilling, so amazing. But I was actually lonely the whole time. And a a friend of mine yesterday who met me in Peru, the shamans, uh, 12 years ago, he reminded me yesterday that, like, you're an amazing guy. Like, you play wines and skill sets. But I remember that you were alone. You felt lonely, even when I was in a relationship. So I realized that, Fulfillment comes first and foremost from intimacy, from connections. So, yes, we do have to look after our bodies. We do need nutrition, exercise, and we do need to do what we love for a job if we can. What is the hobby? But 80% of your fulfillment comes from relationships. And for me, it's partly a male thing because women are much more connecting generally in terms of relationships. And it's partly because I was driven to achieve these things and partly because I lost my mother early in life and she had bipolar disorder. I tended to focus completely on achieving things and the spiritual life, and I neglected the love aspect. Hmm. And I can tell you now that from where I'm sitting now, as much as I am deeply grateful to, to have written 12 best-selling books and travel the world, my deepest fulfillment comes from my relationship and my hmm. relationships with friends. And this intimacy is so important. I tell people, and it's in the webinar too, that human beings are primed for intimacy, belonging, and connection. It, mm-hmm. It's in us. It's primed in our brains, in our hearts, in our spirits. Every single person is primed for that, barring a few exceptional psychopaths maybe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But because we're primed in this way, if we do not get the right kind of belonging, connection, and intimacy, which is romantic and friends and so forth, and having a tribe, if we don't get that, we start to question life. We start to become anxious. Depression increases when you don't have your intimacy needs fulfilled. Right. In fact, the majority of all anxiety and depression comes from a lack of intimacy, which mm-hmm. actually is incredible. It kind of 
blew, blew my mind when I discovered that. There's a lot of research about that. So what people do is when they have anxiety, depression, they run around self-medicating or taking drugs or overeating or shopping and doing whatever else they do. The truth is, apart from a few neurological issues that could be causing anxiety depression, the majority of all anxiety depression is because you're not connected up strongly with other people in a deep, intimate kind of way. So part of the course I've written is not just about self-love, which is crucial, and dropping your baggage, which is crucial. And that's, a, that's a big job. There's no doubt about that. But it's also learning how to create this deep, intimate connection with other people. And we will never have radical fulfillment unless we learn how to connect deeply with other people. And a lot of times, we don't just get anxious and depressed. We start questioning life. People say, life has no meaning. There's no purpose. Mm-hmm. And they start to go down this black hole. And that is, again, because of lack of intimacy. So intimacy, for me, is the number one thing in life. Spirit is important, absolutely. You know, prayer, meditation, whatever your form of spirituality is. Some people right. it's religion. But if you don't have intimacy, you're going to struggle with everything in life. You'll question spirituality. You'll question the meaning of life. You'll question everything. And you'll go down a rabbit hole of anxiety and depression, for sure. So although the first part of the intimacy blueprint is teaching how to have profound self-love, and there's tons of exercise for that, but it's important. The second aspect is learning how to surrender, to open yourself up, to take risks, to be authentic and vulnerable. So one of the great things about talking to you on this podcast, and obviously there's many people talking to me on podcasts, but when I'm connecting to you, you have a, not just a beautiful spirit and a heart, but when we're talking, you're willing to be authentic and real and vulnerable. And that creates a really great connection between us, which I can feel, I know you can feel too. Yes, I something. That. It's something profound. It's almost indefinable, partly spiritual, partly heart connecting. Mm-hmm. But it creates, and the more we have, whether it's a romantic relationship or friends, like a tribe. So like, I feel like you're part of my tribe. And yeah, you're part of sure. my tribe. Yeah. I love that. So when we have more people around us, even if it's only five or 10 people, they all have the same kind of beautiful spirit, authenticity, vulnerability, taking the risk of saying, hey, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. That's how we get more and more of this profound feeling of fulfillment and joy. Right. But, you, but you, that links back to knowing who you are. Because when you have the strength of understanding, this is my personality, this is my intelligence types, this is my body, this is my mind, and I'm going to own that, I now have the confidence to take more risks of sharing with other people. So I'm going to open up the layers, drop my boundaries, my energy field. I'm going to say, look, here I am, look at me. I'm going to look at you. Mm-hmm. you know, yesterday, I spent hours on the beach that we went to a friend around the corner here. And our whole house is lit up in beautiful flashing lights and music was on. And I could see that one friend was a little bit away from everyone else. So I went mm-hmm. over to her and I said to her, show me your favorite song. Show me your soul, right? And then she put a song on and she like became a different person. Uh. Because I was saying, I'm going to see who you truly are now. I'm going to dance to your music. I'm going to listen to you. And all of us just came around and just hugged her, you know, like a group hug and said, hey, this is beautiful. Show us who you are. So we want to encourage people to take the risks of saying, show me your essence. Another thing of, I'm never good enough. I'll never be good enough. I'm not lovable. Because all of that is a lie. You are who you are from a young age, you know, and you need to learn to celebrate that and own that and share it with other people. Mm-hmm. When, we, when we do that, we create this beautiful intimacy and connection and a deep, fulfilled life, which is the whole point of everything. That's, that's pretty much what the intimacy group is all about. Yeah, when you and Cheyenne have a disconnect how do you reconnect we don't disconnect you don't we don't and this comes down to a number of things 
And again, this is all covered in the interspecies blueprint. It runs in a very particular sequence from self-love into core values and so forth. So part of knowing yourself, understanding who you are and what you want is something I call core values. So mm-hmm. self-love is one thing which you, know, you can work on for weeks, months, and there's a huge amount of exercise to do. The other thing is crucial, and I call this a foundation of relationships. First, self-love, and then core values. Now, core values are kind of a mysterious word. When you say to people, what are values? They're not really sure. But values are your principles, your beliefs. It's a thing that's woven deep in the fabric of your soul, the thing that drives you, and it defines how you feel about yourself and how you act with other people. So your values are important, and you need to know your values. And you need to learn to choose the right kind of values. And I do that in the, in the webinar. I show you that your, your values, which you may have, you can actually change those values because there's no limits in terms of who you are. You can appropriate your values. The first thing we do is say, okay, what are your values? My values, for example, are loyalty, compassion, kindness. I'm not saying I'm a saint. Sometimes I'm in the traffic. I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting stressed now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but, but generally speaking, I'm super loyal, compassionate, kind, not judgmental. And that's mm-hmm. how I spend majority of every, everything I do with relationships. Those are my values. Other people have different values or similar values. So now the first thing is to create a profound relationship is you have to first of all know what your core values are. So one of the exercises we do is you write down your core values. And I'll, I'll show you how to do that. But then we do something even better. I ask you to find a hero or heroine in your life, some inspirational figure, maybe mm-hmm. four or five of them. You can think of whoever... It may be someone like Martin Luther King. It may be the Dalai Lama. It could be Jesus. You, know, you work out who inspires you in life, a social figure, uh, mm. a spiritual figure, whatever it is. And you write down those five people or four people, Maya Angelou, for example. Mm-hmm. And then what you do is you look at those people and you think about what are their values. And you try to pull out three or four values of the Dalai Lama, of Martin Luther King. Oh, I love that. Right. And then what you do is you can see, okay, I've now found seven values from all these different inspirational people that I believe are the most amazing people on this earth or have been right. the most amazing people. Then you've got those seven values. And then there's an amazing thing. I was in Tibet and a lama said to me, which I thought was profound because I was trying to always deal with my past and you know, move past things I've been through in my childhood and some of my values that were not good because I'd been hurt and betrayed in life. And some of my values were I don't trust people. Mm-hmm. Right? But the, the Lama said to me, stop worrying about your past, trying to change it. You can choose who you want to become. Mm-hmm. I was like, hang on a sec, I'm not, I'm not supposed to go back into my past and dig up all those graves and sort out the stuff and the sandbags and the emotional baggage. He said, no, why don't you just ignore that for a moment and start right now choosing who you want to become. Yes. That was a revelation to me. Oh. It showed, you know, I know psychologists talk about brain plasticity and there's all these different clever terms, but for me, the revelation is that you can choose who you want to become. So mm-hmm. when we do the core values, no matter if you have a core value like I had, which is I don't trust a woman, for example, because I was portrayed, whatever your core value is, once you appropriate these seven or eight, whatever core values from your inspirational figures, you then start to live those core values. You make them mm-hmm. your own. You say, I choose to live these values now. They're going to become mine. Whatever Martin Luther King had or Jesus or whatever else, you can now have those values. And the more you live those values, Put them up on your mirror or your vision board and say them out loud and absorb them and live them, you become that. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to think about what your past was like, whatever. You become a different person. So the foundation of intimacy, which I've understood from, again, 
different people like the Tibetan Lama and so forth, is first the self-love, which is why we do tons of exercises there. And the second thing is getting healthy core values. If you don't have healthy core values, you walk into a relationship, that's basically your emotional baggage. You'll come in there and your negative core value will clash against somebody else's negative core value and you'll have conflict and drama and all the stuff we've all been through in relationships, mm-hmm. which is basically nothing more than your crap hitting my crap and having a big conflict. Right. Now, when you do the self-love exercises and gradually increase your self-love and you choose and live these new healthy core values, you then create a powerful foundation that when you walk into a relationship, it's a whole different thing. So mm-hmm. when I met Cheyenne, we had both worked on the self-love through various exercises and spiritual things. And we both had really healthy core values. Mm-hmm. And when I met her, this is hard for many people to do because we run around not discussing things like the elephant in the room. One of the things I tell people is when you meet someone, find out their core values. Otherwise, you're going to suffer later because if you don't find out up front, yes. I know it sounds like an interview and it's not romantic. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. And you will go through your stuff. And you'll <laughs> exactly. Crash, you will have your, your crash and burn in six months or mm-hmm. a year because the two crucial things to create a profound intimate relationship is healthy self-love, and that takes time to evolve, and these healthy core values. So when I met Cheyenne, so one of the first things when we sat on the beach. Yeah, that's what I wanted. You just read oh, my mind. Oh, Tell oh, me yeah. what you talk about. Oh, yeah. Like for four what? or five hours meeting this woman <laughs> and you go sit on the beach. What do you talk? What do you, are you, inter- are you guys like interviewing well, because, each other? Well, you see, that's important because like I said, I understand now what's important is spirit and emotion. When I sat down with her, I asked her about her spiritual life. I asked her where she's at, what she's been through, what, what profound experiences she's had. Why is the energy field like this? So it's a different kind of conversation. It's not an interview, it's just a casual conversation. Right. But I'm also asking questions along the way to understand who she is. Now, I think if you're into swiping left and right and having sexual hookups, and if that's your style at the moment or you're in your 20s, that's fine. If that's your thing, do that. But if you want to have a deep, fulfilling, profound relationship, without all the drama and the stress that we've all been through, you need to find out the other person's core values. If you don't, it's at your peril. So I sat down on the beach. And I told Cheyenne, see, one of the ways you get people to tell you things is tell them about you first. Mm-hmm. Risk it. So I said to her, listen, your energy feels amazing. You seem to be radiating this pure, beautiful love. And that's what I was looking for. And I said to her, I want you to know that, I know we're just talking, but I want you to know that I'm looking for something deep and profound. And I want you to know that my core values is loyalty, compassion, and kindness. Fundamentally. Mm-hmm. That prompted her then to say to me, the number one value for me is loyalty. And I was like, wow. Now I understand, like, I was married at 21 and betrayed. It was a long time ago, but you, you don't forget these things, right? Right. And a couple of times in subsequent relationships, I could see there was something I wasn't happy about and I suspected mm-hmm. something and I walked away. The first time I meet Cheyenne on the beach, maybe it was after the second or third hour, she just said to me, one of my core values is absolute loyalty to my romantic partner and my friends. And I thought, wow. That's important to me. Other people, maybe not. I bet that no one wants to go into a relationship with someone who's not loyal. And loyalty is not just sexual loyalty, it's emotional loyalty too. You know, you don't want to mm-hmm. have somebody where sometimes you need to vent to your girlfriends or your friends about stuff in your relationship. That's understandable. You've got to vent somehow. But there's certain boundaries where you don't share sacred things in your relationship. Certain things are sacred, whether it's your sexual life or whatever it may be, you keep those things sacred. So 
The reason why our relationship is drama-free, stress-free, and we never disconnect is because, first of all, the self-love aspect, and the second thing is we both have these healthy core values. It's mm-hmm. critical. You know, if you find out someone's got five amazing core values, but one not so good one, that's the problem in the relationship. That's mm-hmm. going to come up and rear its ugly head sooner or later. And if it's a really bad core value, it's going to destroy your relationship, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, the core values is your emotional baggage. So that is why in the second module in the webinar, we spend a lot of time, as I said, choosing inspirational values and appropriating them and living them. Because if you want to have a profound, intimate, radically connected relationship without the drama and arguments and the stress and the ego and one person storming off and somebody else shouting and screaming, and we've all been through that, it comes down to those two things, building a foundation. And I always say to people that building a profound relationship is like building a house. If you build a house on a weak foundation or no foundation, guaranteed the house will collapse. Maybe it takes a few weeks or months. And most of us, I would say 90% of everyone on the planet has no idea how to build a solid foundation for a relationship, mm-hmm. which is why the absolute majority of all relationships crash and burn in weeks or months or a couple of years. And that leaves us jaded and bitter and sad and we're all the baggage that comes from another broken relationship. And then we also do the thing that's even worse. It's my fault. Mm-hmm. I'm not lovable. And we reinforce all that nonsense inside of our own minds. The internal critical voice jumps up. So when we lose a profound relationship, whether it's you know, two or three or four years, it causes even more damage and even more emotional baggage. So, so what we need to do is stop everything and go back to building the right foundation. And that is why 40% of the webinar is all about self-love and healthy core values. Because if you don't have those rights, you'll never make it, ever. That's the foundation for relationships. So that kind of answers your question in a roundabout kind of way. Yeah. So when you talk about the clients that you've had, that 70% of marriages end in divorce. For sure, yeah. So you're telling me they, the people that are the other 30% have their core values in line, their self-love. Mm-hmm. They can figure out how to get to where you and Cheyenne are. They, could, they have that potential. I think there's a small group of people who are lucky enough to have had an incredible childhood or found a way to get their self-love up to a good percentage. Remember, it's a percentage game. We're not going to be 100%. And they've also, again, through good social presence, good friends and good tribe members, which we discussed last time, the crucialness of having the right friends around you and the right tribe is huge. Right. That can put someone in a place where they have a lot of self-love and healthy core values. And they meet somebody again. See, the trick is you have to have the right self-love and healthy core values, and you have to meet someone who's got self-love and healthy core values. And that's quite a, that's hard to get right. Mm-hmm. I, want to, I want you to think about something else. That it's true. 70% of marriages and cohabiting end in divorce. Painful divorce, war baggage and stuff that comes with it, and the harm to children sometimes. Right. It's, it's sad. It's painful. The other 30%, we're not saying they're in a happy marriage. Many people are just enduring things, right, for the sake of children or they live their own lives. And a lot of people having affairs, either openly or secretly, and that's how they sort of cope with their marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, they get their kick somewhere else or their emotional needs met somewhere else and tolerate their marriage. So the statistic is a tricky one. We don't know really how many people are truly, truly profoundly, deeply happy like Shine and I are. I would wager probably only 10% of people really. Mm-hmm. It's pretty rare. So... Instead of thinking about what's out there, we have to think of a strategy for ourselves. So apart from the self-love foundation issue, 
and the healthy core values, a foundation issue, there's a linking up to the other person. So you get yourself right first as much as you can. Sometimes it means you have to walk away from a marriage or a relationship and get yourself right. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, or you take a, you know, a space, you know, separate. Go and work on your self-love and your healthy core values and then come back again. The thing is, when you meet someone or you're in an existing relationship, both of you are going to have to change your, your, your core values. You have to. Because if they're not right, you're going to have conflict forever. Right. And therapy and marriage counseling is nothing more than identifying that baggage, those wounds, right. the, the values that are unhealthy. So when you meet someone, and I know it's, again, it's not romantic, and I apologize to all the listeners, but find a way to understand that person's core values. Look at mm-hmm. their social media. I mean, you can see what people are about on social media. Look right. at how they talk on social media, what kind of posts they're doing. If you can, talk to some of their friends. If you're in a party and you know a lot of people and you have mutual friends, try and casually find out what the person's values are. Rather do that now, even though it's uncomfortable, but later on you pay the price and have another destructive relationship. Yes. Now, there's one more thing I'd like to think about. The foundation is self-love and healthy core values. And when you meet someone else, make sure they have healthy core values too. There's also a thing called matching, which is something that there are some horribly destructive myths when it comes to relationships. And one of them is a thing you see in movies, romantic novels. It's this famous line called opposites attract. Mm-hmm. All the research in psychology and relationships says that it's exactly the opposite. Similarities attract. Mm-hmm. So apart from self-love and healthy core values, when you meet someone, you want to try and see how similar they are to you in terms of their values. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, because values are the core issue of who we are. So you need to make sure that when you meet someone, they're similar to you in many ways. And so one of the exercises I teach people is make sure when you meet someone, they are as similar to you as possible. Not identical. That's boring, right? right. I mean, shine is a different way of thinking about things, which I find incredibly useful because I can get locked in. I mean, I'm very good at solving problems, but once in a while she comes up with something I would never have dreamed of. So mm. you need that kind of different you know, brain profile, way of looking at things. That's important. But in terms of matching, you want to make sure that you have very similar core values. Now, here's an example. Let's say you meet someone and you have a core value of being deeply spiritual. Mm-hmm. And you meet that person and they're deeply spiritual. So you can check that. But if that person is very, very religious Christian and you're a very religious Hindu, you're going to have problems. Mm-hmm. So you might have healthy core values, but they don't match. It's not going to work. You see this on TV programs where they have these romantic meetups and you can see it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Just stop right there. Don't, if you're deeply religious this way and that person's deeply religious, end it. I right agree. Now. And Wasting please, time. whoever's listening, who yeah. knows who I'm talking yeah. to, yeah. talking about, please listen to Stephen because I've it's been saying exactly. that. I have a client right now that's dealing with that. And I said, you know, Jewish and Christian, strong both, even yeah. having kids, mm-hmm. like questioning mm-hmm. that because... Yeah. You know, how are you going to raise them? Exactly. So I remember when I met Richard, he's Catholic and I was Christian. I was, you know, I was really at his, when I met him, very on this spiritual journey. I, I would probably just say I was a seeker. <laughs> I don't know if I'd put a label on it, but yeah. so that was something that I had to say, like, that's a deal breaker. As much as I adore you and think we have all these amazing things in common and we want a family and we have similar core values that would be a deal breaker. We'd have to come to an agreement with that. People think they can just like shove that under the rug, but it will you can't. Res- it'll resurface. You can't. You, no. you know, you either deal with the uncomfortable thing now 
Right. Otherwise, it's going to come up later on and cause big problems. And I, I think if people are working strongly on self-love, then they'll have the courage to just discuss these things and work it out. Because if your self-esteem and self-love is low, then you'll just compromise. Right. And that's later on just going to bite you. It's not worth it. You know, another example is, let's say, my healthy core values are I love animals. And you love animals. Yes. And you love animals too. Yes. So if I meet you, I think, oh, this is great. We both love animals, right? Mm-hmm. We both have maybe cats or dogs, whatever. But then I find out that you are a staunch vegan. And that's really important to you. Mm-hmm. But I'm a carnivore. And then we have to start thinking about things. It might not be a big deal, but if you live with a vegan and you're a carnivore, you're frying steaks in the house. That's going to become a real issue if someone's a staunch vegan, especially because of ideological issues as opposed to health issues. Right. So again, that's a small example, but these are all the same things. When you meet someone, it's not just establishing their healthy core values, it's making sure you match up. And as I mentioned earlier, introversion, extroversion, right? Another thing people never deal with, if you are an introvert, like a really strong introvert, and you love spending time by yourself at home, cozy, reading a book, your partner's a huge extrovert who wants to get out five days a week, be with their friends, partying. Later on, you're going to wonder what's going on. Why am I alone at home all the time while right. he's outside with his friends five nights a week? <laughs> so that's, again, discussing the matching thing. Make sure you're very similar in terms of introversion and extroversion. Okay, I want to it's tell huge. you something before we... I, the story that just came up, Richard and I were out, you know, it's the weekend, 4th of July, we were talking, and he was had listened to a podcast that really brought him to a place where he thought, gosh, when I met you, I really realized that if I don't shift my life, I'll lose you. He was on the, what you just described, the friend. I was like, you know, I had a business. I came home to my dogs. He wasn't an animal lover at the time. You know, he said he had dogs growing up, but there are certain things people said, well, Richard doesn't like dogs. Well, forget that. That's not going to work. But I, he was explaining this to me two days ago. I realized that if I didn't shift my core values is really what he was saying, but indirectly, I would have lost you. And I now looking at me, because I was 35 years old or 36, and I had so much self-love and I knew I was enough finally. I said, I am going to stand so strong on my values and own it. All that you're saying, I understand what you're saying now because I look back at my life and I never did that up until this moment at 35. You know, that's such a beautiful thing. And that's why, as I said, the, the first step in any kind of intimacy situation is working on self-love. Because mm-hmm. exactly that, if you have a lot of self-love, it doesn't have to be 100, but if you're really working on self-love, you'll have the courage to uncover these things and to talk about these things and work things out to make sure that you don't compromise and get a deal-breaker situation. You know, too many people think a deal-breaker is, say, for example, someone who's violent or abusive. You know, you think, okay, the person's hit me once, I walk away, done. And most people will do that. That's a deal-breaker. But deal breakers are very subtle things. You know, if you were someone, for example, who constantly criticizes, I mean, every single day criticizes you, that's also a form of abuse and violence. Mm-hmm. I call that the death of a thousand cuts because it slowly erodes you with scratch marks throughout your aura and your mind. And if you have enough self-love, you'll say to the person, either you stop that, right, mm-hmm. or I'm walking away. And that's what I think is beautiful. When you said you, your self-love was enough to say I know what a deal break is and I I don't want to compromise. Mm -hmm. So the biggest thing for intimacy, I think, is people have a lack of knowledge and understanding in terms of destructive myths like opposites attract. They don't understand the the healthy core values. There's a huge lack of knowledge in terms of intimacy, which is why most of us go through these awful relationships and we struggle and shout and scream and 
walk away and argue. And it's, it's really sad and, and it hurts us. So all these secrets and tools that I've garnered throughout all these years from various amazing teachers and my own life experience is now in the intimacy blueprint. And it's there for people to attend at their own pace because it's all pre-recorded. They can stop and start the videos anytime they want. They can do whatever they like. And in fact, for a limited time only, I'm offering a free intimacy coaching session for everyone who wants to do webinar. So mm-hmm. I'll do a proper, at least an hour long with them, sometimes longer, before they even start the webinar, which I think is a nice boost and a nice oh, way to amazing. connect. Yeah. Yes. So I'm just trying to help you. Know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, we see how quick our so hour out. I love talking to you. It's so, oh, so fun. I do too. Yeah. It's like we it's, never, we could just continue. I know there'll be more, but, I, you know, just even today thinking, I've already done my Stephen Shaw. I love everything about you. I don't know what is going to come from today. And here we go. I just, it was amazing. Well, I, I was the same. I did no preparation. For, I knew with you, we would just flow and would go with the spirit showed us and follow our heart chakras, you know? Right. Yes. So it's a beautiful thing. I really appreciate talking to you. And it's, it's wonderful to know that the two of us in this kind of discussion are affecting people's lives. Mm-hmm. Even if it's one or two people, just think, oh, that's a good idea. Core values or self-love. All these things can help the world get better and better and more beautiful. You know? Yes. So yes. I, I love what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I don't have my own podcast, so I think it's awesome what you're doing because you're reaching out and, and helping change people's lives through what you're doing. Yeah, I love doing. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I'm, I mean, yeah. I just meeting people like you, I, I just yeah. can't share you enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I told you this last time. I'm not sure. Now I think you, I call you a lighthouse. You know, I feel like you're shining your light so bright and bringing more wisdom and love into this world. It's like a lighthouse shining its light and showing the ships how to come in, the boats. Oh. You know? I think it's beautiful. I mean, we need more lighthouses in the world. You radiate. This is, again, knowing who you are and having the courage to be fully who you are and expressing that. And that is the lighthouse. You're saying to people, here I am. Here's the love. Here's the wisdom. Let's do it. Let's hold hands and make this life right. work together. You know? Yes. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. And we can find you. The website is I am Stephen Shaw. Uh, it's S T E P H G N. And the website's got all the 12 books, Intimacy Blueprint Webinar, and everything's on the website. Yeah. And yeah. the go out to the website. You can watch the webinar, like the intro to it. Oh, so good you point. Get a, uh, yes. A I get, good... Yeah. I put a free masterclass on the masterclass. Yes. That's right. It's free masterclass there. I think it's. I don't know, 35 minutes or something. And it gives people a lot of tips and tools. And if they like that, they can also have a free intimacy session with me uh, on Zoom. And then they can sign up for the webinar. So, yeah, it's, it's profoundly changed people's lives. And I have so many people coming back and saying, if only I'd known this in my 20s or 30s, if I understood the foundation, like the core values, these are all the things people that know. So I've given them tons of tools and everything I need to make beautiful, intimate, fulfilling life. And it, it is beautiful. As I said earlier in the podcast, the, the greatest and most fulfilling thing in my life is my marriage. Mm-hmm. I never would have said that before in my 20s, 30s, 40s. I didn't know it could be like this. But when you have these tools and you understand how it works, you get insane fulfillment from your relationship. It's a beautiful thing in every way, emotionally. And also, I just want to say this as well. I'm not perfect and nor is Cheyenne. But what's great is where there's still a couple of little things, we're growing together. Mm-hmm. And when you hold your partner in what I call the sacred space, which I teach in the webinar, you hold your partner in that non-judgmental, compassionate, sacred space that allows him to blossom and bloom. And any little bits and pieces that are still left over, they grow past it. They let yes. it go. It's a beautiful thing. And you yes. can grow together. So, yeah. yeah, I'd love. Oh, I just, even when I met you the first time, just the way you, your whole energy shifts when you talk about her. Yeah. And just the light in your eyes. And 
their smile and everything just really shows you like you found that, oh, you just found your, your soulmate, your absolutely love. And as I said to a few people on the beach yesterday that were single, I said to them, when I'm sharing all the stuff, whether it's intimacy blueprint or sharing my life and everything I've been through, it's about inspiration. And that's what you're doing as well. Not saying to people like, wow, I'm making a lot of money or I've got a great relationship or whatever else is going on. It's shining that light. So mm-hmm. people can say to themselves, okay, I want that too. How do I get it? Right. So, you know, and that's what we do. We don't worry about compare and contrast. We're saying, here, yeah, I'm showing you what I've got, showing you what is possible, whether mm-hmm. it's in your 40s or 50s or whatever. This can happen for me. It has happened for me. It can happen for you. And that's, that's what we want to do. Keep inspiring people about yes. the life they can live and how beautiful and joyful and fulfilled it really can be. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you are amazing. You are in my tribe. Absolutely. And I want all listeners to remember this. We spoke about this last time. Choose the right people around you because that'll help you get more intimacy, authenticity, vulnerability, and fulfillment. It's so crucial. Friends and romantic partners is all the healthy core values. It really is. So when you go down to the beach, say Uh, yesterday, are uh, you all meeting there? You have your tribe that comes together? Yeah. I have a friend who I met in Peru with the shamans and I had an instant connection with him, like soul brother, you know, you, mm-hmm. I don't know him up here, but I, I met him and I knew straight away he was, a, a, you know, somebody I knew from previous lifetimes and gradually our lives came together. He lives so near me now, even though he was living in New York and I was living in Europe at the time. Hmm. Yeah. So when I'm down the beach and meeting friends, they're coming from different places, but all of the friends we have, and Sean and I both agreed in this, we said, we're going to make sure our tribe, of people that we love, we have, they have compassion, they have good values. So we're building people around us that we respect and who respect us. So mm-hmm. when you with these kind of people, and they're human, so once in a while they might say something judgmental. That's normal. You've got a human, right? right? But 90% of what's happening is everyone around us is supportive, kind, compassionate, non-judgmental, and holding that sacred space. And what people don't realize is that when you have this kind of incubator around you of people, it changes you. You cannot not change. If you're with someone who's toxic and wounded and saying nasty things the whole time, it's affecting you with you. Like it or not, it gets right. into your unconscious mind, into your energy field. But when you deliberately choose, see, the intimacy I said is about romantic relationships, but it's also about your friends. Mm-hmm. Intimacy is, I mean, we can have a lot of intimacy through certain friends. You know, maybe it's a small amount of friends, three or four, right. that's fine. But the intimacy is extremely healthy for us and very fulfilling. And it comes not just from a romantic partner, which for me is number one, but also from choosing these friends around us. And you might start off with only two or three and you have to get rid of some of the other friends, unfortunately, a hard decision. Mm-hmm. But you start to surround yourself with people like you, same thing, healthy core values. But the people around me are the same as me, loyal, passionate, kind, supportive. You know, they're in your corner. Right. That has a profound effect in your life, not in terms of you achieving things in life, going places, building up your self-esteem, building up your self-belief, right? Mm-hmm. Which a lot of people suffer from. But also the deep, connection and performance. So it is coming from romantic relationships and your friends. As a mom, watching what the girls go through and yeah, try, you yeah. know, right now teenagers are really focused on friends, mm, you know, being sure. with friends. Yeah. And that's a they don't have that <laughs> because they don't have the same core values. And I try to explain that mm. it's not a bad thing. It's just your values are different. You don't align with that. Exactly. So when you're not surrounded and you're not in those groups where all your friends are meeting and you're not invited, they don't connect with you. So 
you're not invited. It's not a bad thing. You're just, your core values don't align with them. And it's almost like an energetic, I was trying to explain it to Presley, like they just know it innately. They just don't invite you because they know that what they do probably wouldn't be in alignment with what you want to do. Exactly. I mean, there's a little bit of an extra thing here because the girl aspect is a lot of social things. And it's really difficult. I've seen that with my nieces, very difficult. Mm-hmm. But also, although every single person, as soon as possible, I'd say from 14 years old, just start learning about core values, everything you, you're saying, everything I'm teaching you in terms of intimacy, there's one little difficulty, and that is puberty. There's so many changes going on in terms of brain wiring and, and hormones mm-hmm. that the poor teenager is almost like changing constantly on a, on a weekly, a monthly basis. Right. So although they absolutely need to learn about who they truly are, do a psychometric test, understand healthy core values and other people's values, they have this tumultuous kind of thing where the flower is trying to open, discover what, what kind of flower am I? Mm-hmm. Who am I? So it's an added challenge, I would say. Yes, you know? oh, for sure. And, and someone like you, who I love what you said, intentional parenting, you know, mm-hmm. I don't have children, but I think parents are probably really hard on themselves. It's always this feeling like, am I a good enough parent? Am I doing enough? Mm-hmm. But I think it's a real challenge, especially when you've got teenagers and they go through these constant changes. It's really mm-hmm. hard to keep up and, and try to, and I'm sure you're doing absolutely everything you can through intentional parenting. I think any parent should get a medal or a trophy for, it's a, it looks like a lot of hard work, a lot of challenge. So I, I think it's awesome what you're doing. And the best you can do is, like you said, just try and bring in those healthy core values and yeah. And, uh, well, in my, yeah. in my class, I have a raising confidence class for teenagers that I That's created. Good. And one of the modules, one week, we all we do is talk about core values because oh, I awesome. believe in that yeah. full heartedly how, mm-hmm. you know, when people understand, when the kids understand all the choices that you make are in relation to your core values. Absolutely. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. And yes, they do change as you grow and they can all change, but you can also, like you said, you can create one that's maybe not as strong, but make it stronger. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I think we're on the same page here. Okay. We're on the same (laughs) page for an hour and 15 minutes. It's awesome. (laughs) Let's keep on shining our light and and inspiring other people and bringing them into deeper intimacy and deeper love and deeper spirit. Yeah. Yes. And go find Stephen Shaw and... Go sign up for that intimacy yeah. blueprint. Yeah, that's right. Yes, intimacy, intimacy blueprint. blueprint. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Stephen. Second thank time. You. Loved yeah. it. Me too. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.